Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. I pray you all had a great Christmas and a New Year season. I really do. Uh, and, but if you're anything like me, well, maybe you ate a little bit more than you really should have. Amen. Anybody with me? <laughs> See, let me tell you, this, this Christmas, we had a turducken. Anybody know what a turducken is? It's a, it's a chicken that's stuffed into a duck and a duck is stuffed into a turkey. And, you know, and each layer has uh, some stuffing in between. And, oh, it's so good. And, I, you know, I'm really not one that likes turkey. But when it's mixed with all that stuff, I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, but what really made it for me, what really made that dinner for me was we had some rice and beans, some moro rice. If you know what I'm talking about. That's the, the black-looking rice with the black beans. See, that, that, that's home for me. That just put me back in a stage of remembering what it felt like growing up in my family because I was a Spanish household, a Cuban household. And we had it. Well, that's all we had, rice and beans with everything. You know, you always had rice and beans. The only thing we didn't have, we were missing tostones. <laughs> tostones is plantains, okay, so just so you know. <laughs> But it, but it really made me think of my childhood. You know, it got me thinking, do you have anything, any kind of foods that remind you of certain instances that happen in your life? Maybe brings you back to a time in your life, whether it was your childhood or something special, maybe something not so special. Think about that. See, New Year's, we have a lot of people have different types of food that they celebrate, don't they? They, they? they have specific foods that they associate with the coming of the New Year. Did you know that the Pennsylvania Dutch celebrate the New Year's with sauerkraut and pork? In South Georgia and parts of northern Florida, I consider that South Georgia anyway, people celebrate with the Hop and John. <laughs> It's a dish that's made with black eyed peas, pork, and rice. My mouth is watering. I didn't even eat this morning. Many Asians, they celebrate New Year's with fish. But they don't just make just any kind of fish. It's very important that they serve the fish with the head and the tail on it. So that way it symbolizes good fortune from the beginning to the end of the year. Jewish New Year food tradition is apples dipped in honey. And they do that to express that they are looking forward to a sweet New Year. New York Hudson Valley, this is my favorite, they celebrate with New York cheesecakes. And I love New York cheesecakes. See, I'm telling you this because we're about to celebrate in the Lord's Supper today. We're going to be partaking in something that God has been able to give us, that he has given us as an ordinance to take part in. And the bread and the cup of this Lord's Supper, they should be able to bring back memories just as well, if not better than all those foods that bring us memories. See, we should be reminded every time we take the Lord's Supper of what Jesus did for us to be able to ransom us, to be able to rescue us. See, this, the Lord's Supper, it simply answers the question, what has God done for me? And that's the question we need to be looking towards every time we partake in the Lord's Supper. What has the Lord done for me? 
Well, Jesus celebrated a Passover with his disciples, and we get to see an account of that in Matthew 26. So go go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew 26. We're going to start in verse 17. Very important. You read God's word for yourself. I make mistakes. I'm human. So that's why I encourage you to read God's word for yourself. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 17. And while you're turning there, I want to encourage you always to look in the bulletin because I also put the passage we're going to read in the bulletin and that will give you some ample time to start getting to that passage and get ready so we don't waste the time waiting to be able to get ready amen so if you're there Matthew chapter 26 starting in verse 17 say amen Amen. wonderful let's read now the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread the disciples came to Jesus saying to him where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover and he said Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, You have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the, this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Lord Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. And I thank you for this opportunity to be able to delve into your word, but also to come into your throne room full of mercy and grace. And Father, as we do and we kneel at your feet, I ask you first for forgiveness of me and for each of these on how we failed you today. And Father, I just pray that you use the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us what we need to know and to be able to convict us where we need to be convicted. So soften our hearts now and get rid of everything that's happening in our lives, good, bad, and different. So the only thing we do is focus on you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in this passage that we just read, we see that Jesus takes the elements of two elements of another memorial meal that they were having, which is the Passover Seder. Okay, and that meal was looking back to the Exodus that happened back in Egypt. You remember that story. Amen. And Jesus, he did that quite often when it comes to life. He was very good at giving us a different perspective on different things, on what it meant to him and what it was supposed to mean today and not what it's supposed to mean to man. 
man. Amen? And he did that here, and he did it by transforming this old covenant meal into a brand new covenant, into the New Testament days. Now, let me tell you something. Let me stop right there, and let me clarify something. I believe in 66 books of the Bible, not just the, the New Testament, okay? I want you to be aware of that. So what I'm saying here is not to disregard the Old Testament, because Jesus even didn't disregard the Old Testament, and I'm definitely not higher than Jesus. So we cannot forget the first part portion of our Bible. Very, very important for us to look at it. But he gives us a new meaning of what those Old Testament uh, meals were supposed to be to doing in our lives. And, you know, it said in, pa in past times that Jews eat history. They eat history. So let me explain that to you. See, in that Seder meal that they were celebrating just then, in that Seder meal, the bread stood for the bread made in haste. They made that bread in haste as the nation, that Jewish nation was quickly preparing to be able to leave the Egyptian bondage. And the wine that they were partaking in during that time period, it stood for the biblical promises of redemption. What do I mean by that? Take a look with me. Turn, keep your finger on that passage. But take a look back in Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. And we're going to look at two, two verses, 6 and 7. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. And it says, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great, and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. See, we can see that God has given us four promises in those two verses that we just read. Look at these promises once again. It says, I, God, right, I will bring you out from the burden of the Egyptians. He doesn't say, I might, if you do this, I'll do that. He doesn't say any of that. He's promising right then and there, I will bring you out from the bondage of the Egyptians. From all that burden you have with those Egyptians, you're going to be taken care and you're going to be coming out from underneath them. Don't worry about it. I got your back. Second thing he says, I'm going to rescue you from their bondage. You remember all the stuff that those, those Jewish people had to go and endure as it being Israelites while they were in Egypt, making bricks out of the clay. And then they had to fetch their own material to be able to make the bricks. And then they had to also keep the same thing, the same number of bricks every day while they were going to get everything else that they were supplied with earlier. But God says, I'm going to rescue you from their bondage. But he doesn't even stop there. He gives us another promise. And he says, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to do it with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Ooh. Now, if you believe in God making promises, that's a big one. Amen. But he doesn't stop there. He makes one last promise in those two verses and says, I will take you as my people. I will take you as my people. Now we need us to understand this importance of that Old Testament uh, the Seder meal and bringing it into what we call the Lord's Supper communion today into the upper room. And when we get to that upper room, the bread and the wine, well, they now stand for something a little bit differently. They stand for sacrifice. 
They stand for sacrifice. And Jesus used that second cup of Seder wine and he used it in his new covenant meal that he had with his disciples that we're about to celebrate today. Because in the past, that cup spoke of liberation from Egypt. But today, the liberation is that by his blood, we are freed from the bondage of sin. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. See, that cup is a cup of redemption. And that cup of redemption is something that you and I get to partake in. So in communion, we get to remember who we are and whose we are. And we get to remember the cost of whose we are. So I want to encourage you by taking communion on this first Sunday of 2020, the brand new decade that we go into. And I use that corny adage of let's have 2020 vision in 2020. Well, we really need to have that 2020 vision. We need to start focusing on God and start realizing that all that stuff that muddies up our eyes is of the world. You know, I think of it this way. I wear glasses, and I know a lot of you do. And those that wear glasses can feel me on this pain. They get dirty real quick, don't they? And it seems like even after you just washed, uh, you cleaned it somehow or uh, you know, washed it, put it, put it under the water, you end up with a thumbprint on there for some reason real quick, don't you? And I don't know how it happens, but it does. But that's the same way with life, isn't it? That's the same way with life. The minute we start cleaning our eyes and we start saying we want to be able to worship the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, the world comes and puts a thumbprint on our eyes. And we no longer see Him clear as day. But I want to make you a promise here today. And this is nothing on my notes. This is the Lord speaking wholeheartedly. I want to make you a promise that even if your glasses get smudged, that we still have an opportunity to clean it. And the one that can clean it is Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the one that can clean your glasses. So if we start looking towards Jesus and allowing him to clean our vision, I promise you we'll have 2020 vision here in 2020. But we need to do it starting with our act of communion, with the act in the Lord's Supper. And on this Sunday, this first Sunday of 2020, the act of our participation should be an act of commitment to Jesus Christ. We should have an act to commit our lives to Jesus Christ. Amen. We are in first Sunday of 52 Sundays. I promise you that there's going to be some hard times. I promise you that we're going to fall away from looking towards the Lord. Every single one of us here, because not one of us is perfect. But we have to be committed. What that means is when we fall off the horse, we get back on. We get back on. It's important. We need to be able to take a stand for Jesus Christ, and we need to be committing to him. And regardless of what people will say in this world about us, we need to continue to take that stand and not take it lightly. So we need to be standing for what we believe and we need to be living out that truth and love. The second thing we need to do by taking communion on this first Sunday of 2020 is that we need to show support for our church. Amen. 
We need to show support for our church. We need to know that this is where I belong. If you belong here, say amen. Amen. See, this is our spiritual home. This is where we come to not only fellowship with each other, but fellowship with the Lord. And before you say, I can do it on TV at home. Yeah, you can. But you miss the fellowship with each other. And when you miss the fellowship with each other, you don't have the support of each other. And when you don't have the support of each other, when you fall, it's hard to get back up on your own. That's why we come to church. See, by partaking together, we recognize that we belong to a much larger body than ourselves. And that's the fellowship of all believers. Third, by taking communion in this first Sunday of 2020, we honor Jesus. We honor Jesus. Let me tell you, we have plenty of uh, observances for many famous people across our country today. You, you can look on any, any time in the calendar of a year and you could find an observance for somebody. And let me tell you, if you go even further than that, there's observances for things. And there's probably three, four, five, ten different things every day of the year. Every day. Did you know that there's a, a celebratory day of bacon? I say that as a joke. I say that as a joke. I say that as a joke. But the reality is we need to honor God. We need to honor him through Jesus Christ, the one who came for us, to die for us, and to be committed to us. We need to honor Jesus. And we do that through our communion meal. Every day around the world, someone is observing communion. Every day, there is not one person who has ever lived this earth other than Jesus Christ, past or present, that commands such an honor. So we need to honor Jesus Christ. Next, by taking communion on this first Sunday of 2020, we express our thanks for what Jesus Christ did on that cross. We express our thanks for what he did for you and for me. His sacrifice for for our sin, not his. He sacrificed for our sin. He was the just, sacrificing himself for the unjust. So we need to come to the table with gratitude. And finally, by taking communion on this first Sunday of 2020, we express our love for the lover of our souls, for the one who first loved us. See, love is a commitment. It's a big commitment. And our faithfulness to Jesus Christ will reveal just how committed we really are. The ones we love will always have priority in our lives. If you don't believe me, if you ever had a child, you know what I mean. So this is a meal that should take priority in our lives. This is a meal we shouldn't want to miss. You know, in John chapter 4, Jesus' disciples urged him to stop and have something to eat. And Jesus replied, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
See, there's something more important than our next meal. And that's doing God's will. That is doing His will. See, every year, many, many people make New Year's resolutions. They make them to live better, to be healthier, to be able to read more, to try new things. But let me implore you to make another New Year's resolution. Let's make a resolution that will stick, though. That our lives will manifest what we truly think about Jesus Christ. I pray that our resolution can be that our lives manifest what we truly think about Jesus Christ. So let's resolve to put Jesus at the center of our lives in 2020. And as we come to this table and partake in the Lord's Supper, let's remember why Jesus did this for you and for me. Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at Pastor Nick Central Baptist PSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.